0: This message is from Icon, from community, Icon church. community Church. Icon is a church located in Metro located Atlanta. It seeks to be defined by grace, grace, grace community, 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 and and renewal. community, and renewal. For more information, please visit our website at iconcommunitychurch.org, at iconcommunitychurch.org or follow us on Facebook. Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. When it comes to our current series, God is on the Attributes of God, Part of the process behind the scenes is really having to prayerfully consider which ones do we spend time on. There are so many we could do this series for several months and still have some to spare. And I say that just to give some extra transparency starting today, because sometimes you feel pulled to talk about one that you would really rather not. And so coming before you in this particular way in our community means I have to sit in these things deeply for myself. And that can sometimes require a lot of wrestling and trying to reckon with things and make sense of some things. And so I come before you today with where I am in my own wrestling with this, trying to remind myself of the truth of who God actually is, where I am striving to make sense of my own struggles based on what we see and what we don't see in God's word. And where I'm having to kind of hang on to the work of the Spirit in order to orient myself where this can sometimes be difficult. So with that, today we're going to spend some time talking about what is it and what is it not that God is our healer. And so with our time in particular, I'm going to first have us kind of do a um, holdback view of what does Scripture say and what does it not say about God's capacity to heal, and then for us to consider together. How is God still acting as healer when we are not being fully healed while we're on this earth? So with that, scripture we know is full of powerful, glowing examples of these stories of God's ability to bring healing to people in a variety of ways. God heals people individually. He even heals people corporately. In the Old Testament, we have him healing the Israelites from their snake bites by having them look at this bronze serpent. Miriam is healed from leprosy after God is the one who afflicts her with it. He has Elijah and Elisha raise people from the dead. Naaman is healed from leprosy by dipping himself in the river seven times. Job is healed of his sickness and also healed of his loss. Nebuchadnezzar is healed of his insanity. King Hezekiah is healed of a terminal illness and then is given 15 more years to live, and on and on. In the New Testament, we have Jesus and even his disciples healing multiple people in many different ways. And Jesus, we see, has this tendency to heal people holistically. He often forgives people of their sins and then helps them be able to see and walk. He heals people who would have been ostracized in that time and culture because of what they were afflicted with, meaning not only when he makes them well, is he making them well physically, but he's also bringing them back into community. He's healing them often on a relational and social level as well. Jesus heals people from fears, anxieties, relational conflict, sickness, so we know just with a, as a, with a flyby that in the Old and New Testament, the ability and limitless power of God is to heal and to be able to push back a variety of ailments. That is communicated for us very clearly. His healing capacity then gives us reason to trust Him, to praise Him, and to seek Him out in our own need. Seeking Him out in our need As we live in a place where we are all affected by the fall, on every level, the fall affects us physically, mentally, emotionally, relational, sexually, all areas negatively affected by sin. But scripture says all areas are able to be healed by him. These stories show us and remind us that in our pain and suffering, God is stronger, God is bigger, God is unhindered by those things. These stories remind us that there is nowhere else to go but to Him, and that in His kindness and compassion, He is a restorer of all that is broken. Personally, for us to spend a little time in one of those stories, my favorite healing story in scripture. This one over the years when my pain has put me in a dark place or has felt a little unbearable. This is one that has brought me a lot of comfort in reminding me the posture of our God in how he heals. And that is him healing the sick woman in Luke chapter eight, verses 43 to 48. And I think what I love about this one is what we see about the nature of Christ as healer, and what is happening on a holistic level for her. So if you would join with me, we will read Luke chapter eight, verses 43 to 48. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years, who had spent all she had on doctors and yet could not be healed by any, approached from behind and touched the end of his robe. Instantly, her bleeding stopped. "'Who touched me?' Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, "'Master, the crowds are hemming you in and pressing against you.'" "'Someone did touch me,' said Jesus. "'I know that power has gone out from me.'" When the woman saw that she was discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him. In the presence of all the people, she declared the reason she had touched him and how she was instantly healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this woman's ailment— was especially degrading in Jesus' day because women with flows of blood were declared by God's law to be unclean, literally untouchable. So this woman who's feeling horrible physically has also been isolated socially and relationally from her community because she is not valued. She's kind of even viewed as dirty because of her pain. She's even excluded from the worship of God I think of her so alone in her suffering in that way, people afraid to even brush up against her. Additionally, to live with this chronic health issue is to live on the edge of hope. It alters how you manage, navigate, and just walk through daily life. This chronic pain and illness just wears on you as a whole when you're just trying to figure out at times, how do I get through a day like a normal person? when she's having to just project that she feels okay when she's exhausted. She's having to muster extra mental, emotional energy when her physical struggles have left her raw and exhausted. Add to that how we read here that her desperation to find relief has made her spend all of her resources there. Some of us can understand this that constant finagling of the budget to figure out how can i pay for the next possible treatment that may or may not even work and the things you have to go without in order to sort of compensate for that this gamble that you're making with your finances because your whole life is wrapped up in some degree with just feeling okay so imagine her state here hard to even hope for relief because so many things have not worked So this courage, the effort, the struggle, the faith that she braves a crowd who does not want her there and fights through it with all the strength she has left and repeating this thought like a prayer, all I have to do is touch him. All I have to do is touch him, surely. And with that, as she finally gets close enough and with her untouchable hand brushes the edge of the garment of Jesus and like that. Instantly feels that change in her body, a change she has not felt for 12 years, where she suddenly has relief. Why didn't she just straight up ask Jesus for help? Well, her posture of having to remain hidden and isolated and unnoticed, that's how she's lived her life for 12 years as she's adjusted to this pain. So when Jesus stops to say, who touched my robe, he is having an untouchable, shamed, and isolated, hurting woman stand before him to be acknowledged and counted and seen in a way that her pain has made her exempt from. She felt unworthy to claim the full attention of the healer because she had been labeled and seen as unworthy by her community because of her pain this unworthiness, internalized. But Jesus stops and faces her and says, I wanna hear your voice. For he sees all of what she needs to be healed from. He sees all the spaces of pain, not just what is physical. And in his action here, he marks her worth and her value and her dignity, which for her is another way that she is being healed. Stand up and be counted, forgotten one. To one who is unseen, let me see you fully. So, not only does Jesus heal her from physical suffering, the isolation, the burden that she carries in her body, but in his posture toward her, he is releasing her from where she is also bearing the pain of being considered inferior, unworthy, and less than human. Not only is she made well where she has been sick in her body, but she's made whole where in her spirit she has been pressed down on, shoved aside, and deemed invaluable. Jesus heals in a way that calls forth a whole person. So Jesus, not just in this story, but in most of his stories of healing, he's healing on multiple levels of pain and loss. So in the darkness of your own pain and limitations where because of your ailments and your struggles you're feeling very much alone because experiencing pain is a very isolating thing, know that Jesus sees the fullness of your value in all those spaces where you have pain. And in his capacity, he has power over all of those things. So thanks be to God in the hope that that does give us. However, we do have to acknowledge that some of us do not have stories like this woman where we experience the fullness of that healing here. We're not being released from our pain, and if anything, for some of us, our struggles are increasing. We have no end in sight. So we do need to acknowledge that Scripture recounting God's acts of healing in the past are not to be read as promises to be applied to us. These are reminders, though, of the ways God has acted in the past that communicate what he is capable of. We have kind of talked about this before in our community, that you read stories, you read the narrative in scripture as descriptive, not prescriptive. Describing past events, stories written with a direction and important in that they're communicating what God has done and what he is like these past stories, these events, are not written as a guarantee that God will now always act this way for you in the future. So to expect and demand that He do is to confine God to a set of restrictions that He does not have. So we really must take care that we don't put expectations upon God to act in a way that is in accordance with our demands. Scripture doesn't promise in these stories, so now God will always act this way for you. But it does promise us that God will be with us in the midst of our struggle. That is where we see the promise lies. A lot of space is given in Scripture for prayers, cries, rehearsing of God's character while people are struggling while people are experiencing oppression, while they are in pain. So why is there so much space given for people wrestling in the pain? And yet we would turn and demand that God relieve us of ours. We need to remember why this is written. This is written to encourage us with the capacity of God's power over the things we need healing from while we are having to sit and live in it. This is written to fuel our hearts to be oriented to the presence of the one who is with us in the struggle and pain, and to remind us that one of the promises is that ultimate healing will come one day. I think last year especially, some of us heard and experienced a very cavalier attitudes some people were having regarding potential health dangers that would supplemented by quoting psalms and verses about God's healing and God's protection. But to wield these verses, to wield especially the psalms like a weapon in order to defend just what we want to do, is foolish. It's a mishandling of God's word and the intent of it. We need to remember, especially the psalms that are wielded this way, They're poetry, prose, praises, prayers. They are not written as laws. They are written to engage the emotions. They are written to encourage us. They are written to carry us out of our present circumstances to the possible. They are written to do a work on our feelings when we are in despair, to remind us of what God has the capacity to do in His power, while we are sometimes waiting for his action for a long time. Psalm 30 verse two says, "'Lord my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me.'" Psalm 147.3 said, "'He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds.'" My favorite I go to the most is Psalm 73.26. "'My flesh and my heart may fail.'" flesh, my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. These are not guarantees that God will heal all the spaces of your pain right now, but this is an encouragement for weary hearts, about the capacity of our God and His presence with us while we are awaiting full healing one day. Friends, part of life right now is that pain exists. It's where we are. And this is not an indictment on God, but this is an indictment on us because it exists because of what we have brought into the world. So there is a level that we just have to accept the reality we are in, that we're in a broken world and it will affect us. But the hope in this is for us to have a different perspective, one that understands what he's capable of, and where he is present while we await healing. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Paul writes to the church, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Present your requests to God, But then the reassurance that follows that is not, and he will answer exactly what you wish for. What follows is, present your request to God, and then the reassurance that the peace of God, the presence of the one who understands all, will ease and be an assurance to your heart and mind in it. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. How does God say he'll help us? Not by giving us the results we want, but by holding on to us with his righteous right hand while we are in it. We are not yet in our time to be fully healed of all things, but the healer is never gonna leave us alone. The guarantee is that full healing comes one day the guarantee is that he has the full capacity to heal what he wills at this time the guarantee is that in the places that we need healing he's going to guard our hearts and minds and hold on to us with his righteous right hand so as we still live right now in the not yet being fully healed awaiting our full restoration one day where else though is god currently healing in that Now, before I mention a few things here, just a bit of a disclaimer, is that I'm not trying to put a silver lining on pain. Um, I feel like too often we can say, well, God has a plan and that just feels like we then need to disregard any emotion or feelings we have. So please don't take it that way. That's not the intent. But we do need to note together that there are additional things God is doing in the effects of the sin that we brought into His good world that do a work in us and produce life, and beauty. Part of God's capacity as healer is that even in our deepest pain, there is not waste when it comes to His ability to create beauty from ashes or to create His strength in our weakness. There was a recent episode of This American Life called The Leap, and in the latter part of the episode, they were talking about time travel, and they were asking just different age um, age demographics, if you could go back and change one thing you did, would you? And so as I was listening, I thought, if I could go back and change one thing I did, what would it be? And the first thing that popped into my mind was, of all things, related to Uh, a particular injury I sustained when I was 13 that has set off just a chain of things that I live with now and will always deal with. And I thought, man, if I could just go back and stop myself from being too daring, too reckless, from going over that drop-off, if I could stop myself from going snowboarding and sledding that day on my youth pastor's farm during that snow day, if I could just go back and stop that, So many things would be different over the course of my life because so many decisions since then have been affected by what that did to my body and what I've kind of had to maneuver because of it. Like, how amazing would that be to not have to deal with the residual effects of the injuries, to not deal with the financial finagling at times, to figure out how do I treat this? Is there a way to kind of get some relief? But then... So I was thinking this, something else entered my mind. And I do another disclaimer as I share this part with you. This has nothing to do with like any bit of wisdom or maturity because this thought that came into my mind was not for me and it threw me off a bit. And that was, actually, I don't think I would have changed that. And as I sat in what that came from, because it surprised me, you know, because honestly, dealing with some of the stuff would, or not dealing with some of the stuff would be great. I have to realize that I would be a very different person. And I don't know if that would be a good thing because the pain has shaped a lot as well. Pain on multiple occasions has kept me so glaringly aware of my weakness and frailty and lack of ability. The isolation that could come with the uniqueness of pain and issues that have a lot of layers have at times really brought me before God, knowing He's the only entity that fully understands the layers of this. The struggles at times have really um, forced me to stop in the midst of demands and expectations when my body just literally will not move. Pain has been a steady reminder for me that This current place is temporary because I do long for the permanence of what is healing and restored. Pain can really push our mindsets to eternity and help what is not worth our time and energy get pushed to the side. It helps us sometimes see what's more important. In the book, The Problem of Pain by C.S. Lewis, he says... Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks into our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. How curious is it that God turns the effects of our sin into what can build intimacy with him? How is that even possible? When our pain is isolating, it can drive us to find comfort in the only one who is the fullness of peace. When our pain is debilitating, whether that be physical, mental, emotional, and all of those things are really intertwined. When it's debilitating, it can bring us to the space of where else do I have to go but to him? When our pain just stops us, it can be a kind of a reminder of where our only sufficiency actually lies. And this all being true does not mean that I, we, are always going to welcome it. Sometimes it is so frustrating. Sometimes it can make you feel angry. And yet sometimes it almost feels like this old companion that's familiar. But while I don't necessarily want it there, I can see where it's done a good work on me. It is a very real tension that we hold, that we can rejoice in the fact that God works in our pain while we are also just longing for the day when it is gone. Pain can jar us out of just things we think we need. It can be a great revealer of our idols. Pain can be a builder of intimacy with our creator. It can be a good teacher of what is most important. It can chip away at our sharp edges and help reform us more into the likeness of the one who is most acquainted with pain. Jesus understands pain better than anyone else ever could. Isaiah chapter 53 verses three through five says, he was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised, and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion crushed because of our iniquities, punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. So again, I'm casting a silver lining on our pain, but it is undeniable here that part of God's work as healer is that there is a richness and depth that he shapes in us through our pain. And that is valuable and beautiful. And it is something that is possible only because he subjected himself to the worst of our pain and sickness, so that by his own woundedness, he would overturn our pain into what will be of healing. When you are not experiencing the full release and relief that is healing on this side of eternity, God's capacity as healer is still present in the work he is doing in and through you and in how he is present for you in your pain. And that is present because of Jesus overturning pain by experiencing it himself on the cross. As we close, one more thing I want us to kind of look at here is the Apostle Paul's own experience of this regarding that thorn in the flesh, which we're not gonna get into exactly what that was for our purposes, but what he has given from God that God will not take away, but what he did in fact experience in this because of it. So Second Corinthians chapter 12, we're gonna to read together verses seven through 10. Paul writes, Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness." Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses. I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties, for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong." God as healer is this God, one of this impossible transformation, one that makes it where our pain, our greatest weakness, somehow turns over into strength. Our pain, it's almost like it makes way for His power to be present. It's where our own lack of ability and self-sufficiency, where that is the most glaring, is where he is most the one that we are fulfilled in. So hang on to the healing capacity of our God here. When you're having to project outwardly that you are fine, but you are somehow barely hanging on. Hang on to the strength of this God when your normal is to be in pain and push through symptoms that are hard to explain. In that, remember, his grace is sufficient for you. When the discouragement and isolation of the uniqueness of your pain is putting you in a dark place, a dark season, ask God to help you see and experience. How is he being being a healer while still doing a work in your life? Where your body or your mind is feeling a little bit more like your enemy than your friend, hang on to the one whose power is perfected in that weakness. And hold on to the promise we do have that while pain is present, the healer has the final say. And one day he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things will have passed away and everything will be new. One day, no more pain. And today, no pain to walk through without him. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you that you are a God who in his limitless power is unable to be thwarted, to be beat by any kind of pain that infects this world. I thank you for the hope that that does give us not just for what you could do now, but for what you will do in securing a future of restored life for us. But Father, in the spaces where we are experiencing different levels of pain, physical, emotional, mental, maybe even just spiritual pain, I ask that you would show yourself as healer to be present in those places Be light in the darkness that the pain can push us to at times. Help us to really be honest with you where we are struggling, where we're hurting. And help us to lean hard into you in those weaknesses, Father, so that we can make way for you to be our strength. Where we are feeling hopeless because of pain we are in, I ask that you would give us hope in you not hope, Father, in necessarily a particular result or answer that we have in mind, but help us to have hope in you in what you have promised. That you are there to ease our hearts and minds. That you are there to be the strength of our heart in it and that you hold on to us with your righteous right hand. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen please join me for the benediction. Now to him who is able, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine, to him be glory both in the church and in Christ Jesus now and forever. Amen. Praise God from whom all bless